Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the Welcome phone. In, everybody, yeah, Here. Five, we. 20. The podcast. Yeah. Oh, podcast. It is Wednesday, April 13th, 2022, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody's having a great day. I hope everybody's ready for a loaded episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We got a lot to get to. One, we are going to start with a very simple question I got. Thought it was a great topic for a show like this. Who will be the face of college basketball without Coach K? Coach K is gone. Who becomes the guy and the program that everybody either loves to hate, has to watch, all that good stuff. We will discuss that from there. We will continue the conversation. Oscar Shibway, National Player of the Year. We're getting some real buzz that he could come back to college basketball. We will discuss that. And then finally, we will wrap the show. Transfer portal season. It is humming. We will discuss the best players in the transfer portal right now. I have my ranking of top 25 guys. We are going to get into all of that. Busy show. Really fun show. You're going to enjoy. But with that said, let's get to... The topic of the day, and the topic of the day is, well, it's April, and there isn't necessarily always going to be a big, meaty, can't-miss, you know, biggest single topic in the sport of college basketball or college football or the stuff that we cover, and so I've said it before, really, is I really encourage you guys and girls, if you have any questions, if you want things answered on this podcast, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com is the best place to get at me. If you do have any questions, please feel free to submit them. I think it makes for some of the best content that we do here. But with that said, I did get a really good question about two, two and a half, three weeks ago during the Final Four that I thought would be really fun to bring to this podcast at some point, so I'm going to do it today. And that conversation is this. With Coach K out, and I think we all know Coach K, of course, after the Final Four has retired, he is no longer the head coach of Duke basketball, no matter what Jay Williams tells you. With Coach K out, the question that was posed to me was, Who is the face of college basketball post-Coach K? Who is the face of college basketball post-Coach K? And I'll tell you this, I really only think that it can possibly be, at least for the next few years, two people. And so let's get into it. Let's discuss. But before we get into those two people, let me say this. I think, I I hope we can all agree. Like, Like, we can all agree. We can argue about this. We can argue about that. I know we live in a world where everybody loves to argue about everything. But I think we can all agree that over the last 
you know, probably 20 to 25 years, Coach K has been, in fact, the face of college basketball. Uh, he is probably the single most recognizable coach at one of the two, three, four biggest brands in college basketball. And so to me, like, like I hope we can start with the fact that Coach K has been the face of college basketball over the last 20 to 25 years. You don't have to like him. You don't have to love him. You don't have to like Duke. I don't think that is really disputable. And really, the reason why I believe that he has been the face of college basketball for the last 20 to 25 years is essentially what I just said. It's a couple things, really. One, he's just been around forever. I mean, we're talking about 40-plus years at Duke. We're talking about you got to be in your early to mid-50s and a diehard college basketball fan to remember a life where Coach K was not the head coach at Duke. So we're talking about anybody that's in their 40s right now, you don't remember it. Anybody in their 30s definitely doesn't remember it. 20s, teens, I mean, I'm in my mid-30s. I don't remember a life without Coach K as the head coach of, college ba- uh, of Duke. But beyond that, what I would also say is this. The guy has been winning forever, which I do think matters. Like I said, I'm in my mid-30s. I don't even remember the first couple national championships for Coach K under Duke, and that speaks to how long that he's been doing it for. And then the final reason why I believe that Coach K has been the face of college basketball is he creates interest and he creates emotion, right? And we talked about this a little bit with Jimbo Fisher a few days ago. The idea of to be a villain, to be the this, to be the that, you have to cause emotion in people. And that is one thing that I don't think you can deny about Coach K. Now, if you're a Duke fan, you love him and you support him and you go to bat for him, although I'll say off the record, there's been a lot of Duke fans that tell me the guy drives me crazy sometimes. But it's the people that don't like him that in many ways drive the conversation about him, right? And I understand if you don't like him, and we discussed it over the last two, three, four weeks, he's done a lot of stuff off the court that just drives people crazy. I was in the building in Anaheim the day that he was lecturing Dylan Brooks, and then he claimed he didn't lecture him. There was how he handled Grayson Allen. Uh, there was, uh, you know, the, the weird Jeff Capel thing two, three, four years ago. There's been other incidents that just make you cringe and go, dude, what are you doing? Um, and then, of course, I think fans that are not of Duke, that, that are not Duke fans will then tell you, oh, you people in the media, you cover him differently and you don't go after him when he does dumb stuff. And so why I, I bring all this up, it's not to relitigate what Coach K has done over the last 25 years. It's to say that whether you love him or whether you hate him, the man does cause emotion. And that's why I believe that he has been the face of college basketball. You can be really good at something, but if you're not interesting, if you don't cause emotion, you can't be the face of the sport, right? I, I talked about it with Jimbo Fisher the other day. Mike Trout's probably the best baseball player on the planet. I wouldn't know because I don't really watch baseball and I certainly don't watch Mike Trout. Because he's not interesting enough. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't say anything. He's not interesting. He's whatever. I would argue Bryce Harper is much more the face of baseball than, uh, than Mike Trout is. I would argue that Shohei Otani, the pitcher slash hitter, has a better chance of one day being the face of baseball if he is not already than Mike Trout because he's interesting. Never seen a guy that pitches and hits at both an all-star level. And so Mike Trout can never be the face of baseball. That's okay. He could be a Hall of Famer. He'll never be the face of baseball. Kind of the same in the NBA, right? There was a time where I think we all thought Kawhi Leonard might be the best player in this league when he was leading the Raptors to an NBA title. But he's not going to be the face of the NBA. He doesn't cause emotion. LeBron causes emotion. KD causes emotion. I think the best example is Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor in UFC, you have to watch his fights. He hasn't even been a great UFC fighter for the last three, four, five years. So you have to be able to cause emotion, in my opinion, to really be the face of anything in sports. And so let's get into it because as I said a minute ago, I really believe that in the post-Coach K world, there can only be, or at least right now, right now in 2022, going into 2023, there are only two men 
that can be the face of college basketball over the next couple of years. That is John Calipari. And the second one is going to surprise you. I'll save it for a minute. The first one is John Calipari, and I think it, it, it goes without saying. It's super obvious, right? First of all, Calipari, like Coach K, Coach Calipari's kind of been around forever, right? First Final Four at UMass 1996. That's we're now talking 25, 26 years ago that he burst onto the scene. Goes to the NBA, goes to Memphis, goes to Kentucky. And like Coach K, whether you love him, whether you hate him, you got to kind of admit the guy does have a ton of success. And, and I know even now, like it's kind of like a punchline, like oh, a lot of success. Like, and even Kentucky fans, I get your frustration. We're going to talk about Calipari in the next segment with Oscar Shibway. But I bring it up to say, like, even if you want to criticize Cal, you can't deny that the guy has been pretty freaking good during his time as a college basketball coach. First of all, Final Fours at three different schools. Uh, at Kentucky specifically, one national title, four Final Fours, seven Elite Eights, which I don't think people realize how good he has been in making deep tournament runs. Eight Sweet Sixteens, six SEC regular season titles, six SEC tournament titles. So one like Coach K. You can like him. You can hate him. The guy does win a lot. The guy does go into your gym a lot, beat your brains in, walk out with a W, and your fans walk out with a sad face. Now, I understand right now at this moment in time he hasn't been great, but even this year, we criticized Calipari nonstop, finished second in the SEC, had the team ranked in the top 10 all year, and who knows if they could keep their guys healthy all year uh, where they end up being, and maybe they don't, uh, you know, maybe they don't end up losing to St. Peter's, whatever. But two, what Calipari does better than anybody I believe in college basketball right now, he creates emotion, right? Because even when Cal wins, it comes down to what he did 25 years ago at UMass or what he did at Memphis. Forget the fact, by the way, that he was cleared of all wrongdoing personally at Memphis or cleared of wrongdoing at, you know, at UMass as well. People have this belief in who he is and how he operates. He's emotional. He's, you know, he, he, he's a guy that isn't afraid to say how he feels. And so to me, Calipari checks both boxes because one, he wins an awful lot. And then two, and I think this is as important, he causes emotion. When he walks into your gym, you know, the, the, the Kentucky Super Bowl thing became a hot topic this year, but it's kind of true. When he walks into the gym with Big Blue, you want to win, not just because Kentucky's usually a really good team, but you just do not like John Calipari, and you want to see that guy walk out with his head down. And so to me, John Calipari's won. I believe John Calipari can, is really basically right now the face of college basketball. You love Kentucky, you hate Kentucky, but you tune in to watch Kentucky, and I'll tell you this, the stats back it up. There's a reason that Kentucky-St. Peter's game was on CBS uh, during the NCAA tournaments, the opening day of the NCAA tournament. It's because it was the biggest game on the schedule that day, and CBS made sure that it was in primetime. So you guys can say you hate Calipari, but you tune in. You tune in to watch Kentucky because you either love him and you want to see him win or because you are not a Kentucky fan and you hate him and you want to see them lose. Beyond that, I believe there is one other guy that is slowly ascending along with John Calabari to be the face of college basketball. And I do think this is going to be a little bit controversial and I cannot wait to hear your guys and girls' response on this. I think the other guy is not somebody that you're thinking. I don't think it's Bill Self who just won a championship. I don't think it's Jay Wright. I think it's Mark Few and Gonzaga. And let me explain why. Because a lot of you are going to be like, Gonzaga, they haven't won anything. This team has more national championships than Gonzaga. The fact that you're thinking that and saying that right now is exactly why Gonzaga is and will be one of the faces of college basketball post-Coach K, Mark Few. It's because they cause emotion. First of all, they win a ton. 
But more than anything, they are a great talking point that's easy to wrap your head around, and everybody has an opinion on Gonzaga. You either love the fact that this small little school in Spokane, Washington, out of nowhere, just turned into an absolute college basketball juggernaut, or you hate the fact that Gonzaga, this small little school in Spokane, Washington, plays in this crappy conference. You don't stay up to watch them. They play in small gyms. Some of them look like they – there's times where Gonzaga looks like they're playing in high school gyms. And it drives you crazy that all they do is win, 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 dominate in the regular season, and then get to the NCAA tournament with a high seed. And then they get there, and what happens? You always tune in for one of two reasons. One, you think it's a really cool story – and you want to see Gonzaga have success, and you want to see them finally get over the hump, and you want to see them win that national title because they've been so close so many times? Or you watch because you hate the fact that they play in a small conference, that they don't have to go into big arenas with crazy fan bases. They're not in the Big Ten where they got to play, you know, seven, eight, nine really good teams on the road. The SEC, five, six really good arenas on the road. You hate the fact that, that, that Gonzaga doesn't do that, and because of it, you watch because you want to see them lose. And then when they end up losing, you run to social media and you say, I told you they were overrated. I told you they don't play anybody. And guess what? You're watching anyway. So that's the point, right? You can love Gonzaga. You can hate Gonzaga. But you watch Gonzaga. You have an opinion on Gonzaga. And so to me, that is why I believe that John Calipari, Kentucky, or of course, Mark Few and Gonzaga are the only two people that can be the face of college basketball, the program of college basketball over these next, next four, five, six years because they are the only, the only two on a national scale that absolutely move the needle. And I tell you this as somebody who hosts national radio. There are really only two topics that we can talk about outside of Duke and now Coach K because he's gone. It is Kentucky, Calipari. Is he overrated? Is he underrated? Is he properly rated? And Gonzaga, is this the year? Do you like them? Do you not like them? Is this a good story? Is this an annoying story? As for everybody else, it remains to be seen. Now, what I would say is, look, there are certain guys that if they win enough, they're going to end up being the face of college basketball by default, right? Jay Wright has two national titles. Yeah, if he rips off three in the next six years and he has four or five national titles in, by 2028, then yeah, it's a different conversation about who's the face of college basketball. Same with Bill Self. But with those guys, I don't believe that right now they can be. Jay Wright doesn't cause any emotion in anybody. You're not flipping on to see Villanova pump fake and ball movement and, and dribble drive. I mean, you do in the tournament because you probably bet on them and you love watching them. But on a Tuesday night, it's not I got to rush to the TV to watch Villanova to root for them or root against them, to boo them. You do that with Duke. You do it with Kentucky. You do it with Gonzaga. You don't do it with Villanova. Kind of the same with Bill Self. I think in college basketball circles, there's a huge segment of college basketball fans diehards that are like oh I hate this guy he's got caught cheating nothing's ever happened I don't like this guy I'm rooting against Kansas but on a national scale I, I don't even know how many people even know what what has happened with Kansas in this FBI stuff and part of that sucks part of it is the coverage I'm one of the few people that's ever criticized Bill Self during this whole situation with the FBI if you've been listening to this show for a while you know that but I just bring it up to say I don't know that Bill Self causes conversation I don't know that Bill Self creates uh, interest in the sport outside of the fact that his team is really awesome. You're not walking to the water cooler and talking about Bill Self. Beyond that, a couple other names, you know, I, Tom Izzo, he's been around a while. He hasn't won enough, right? He hasn't won enough. I, I don't know that he's really interesting enough. I mean, he does do the yelling and screaming in a player's face, and he's not afraid to do it. So I do like the fact that he does create a little bit of emotion, 
But it's also kind of like, you know, Michigan State's made a bunch of Final Fours, but they won one national title in the last, you know, since he's been there. The last title came 20-plus years ago at this point. I don't know that Tom Izzo is going to ascend to the face of college basketball. And then there's some young guys that I think are really interesting, right? I think Chris Beard can absolutely get there if he makes Texas relevant. Texas is always a great talking point. They're only going to be a better talking point when they go into the SEC. And I will say they do have that dynamic of you, you tune in to root for them or you tune in to root against them, but you always tune in to Texas. But they got to win a little bit before I'm ready to put Chris Beard on that level. Kind of the same, you know, Eric Musselman's kind of the same in Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, if he gets them to multiple Final Fours and they become one of the faces of college basketball, which I think they could be over the next four or five years, then I think they're in the conversation. Um, you know, Hubert Davis is another one. I mean, listen, Hubert Davis went to a Final Four last year, this year. He goes to another one next year. You know, all of a sudden, everybody knows who Hubert Davis is. Former NBA player, former Tar Heel, uh, you know, seems to be likable, seems to be, you know, just, just a guy that people, you know, revere in that community. So maybe he can get there. And maybe John Shire can be too. And what I would say is I don't think Duke is going to go away as an interesting talking point. But as I've said before, what college basketball needs from John Shire is to either be really, really, really good or really, really, really bad. Because the one thing he can't be is like 19 and 11 next year and Duke is a, a, a six seed and they lose in the first weekend. That's not good for college basketball. So we'll see with John Shire. We'll see with Hubert Davis. We'll see with Chris Beard, Muss, uh, you know, Jay Wright, Huber, uh, Jay Wright, Bill Self, whatever. But to me, there are only two men that right now can become the face of college basketball in Coach K's absence. That is John Calipari, and that is Mark Few. All right, that's what I want to do. Take a quick break. I want to come back. I actually want to talk a little John Calipari because uh, Oscar Sheepway. I don't know if you know, National Player of the Year. We're starting to get some rumors that Oscar Sheepway could come back. I wasn't ready to go there yet, but I think we have enough to really sit there and say this could happen. And then from there, we'll talk a little bit about the transfer portal. Uh, Oscar Sheepway up next. I'll be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, it's time to welcome back our favorite sponsor and your ladies' favorite sponsor. Yeah, I'm talking about Manscaped, the worldwide leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. Fellas, have you started your spring cleaning yet? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Again, fellas, don't pretend like you don't know what I'm talking about. And Manscaped has the best tools to get that lawn cleaned up. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the 4 million other men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com. Use promo code Torres for 20% off plus free shipping. And as I always say, ladies, that 20% off plus free shipping if you use the promo code Torres. Well, I'll tell you what, that works for you too. Manscaped has the full package you need for spring cleaning this year, the Performance Package 4.0. It's the only tool set you need to keep your boys looking and smelling fresh like daisies this spring. The Performance Package 4.0 includes the Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer, designed to get those tough-to-reach places, plus it's waterproofed, equipped with an LED light. You can bring it in the shower. You don't leave hair on the floor. Fellas, trust me, you're going to need that lawnmower 4.0, which is part of the Performance Package 4.0. Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer, proprietary skin-safe technology, all those little holes. They got You got to keep them clean, safe, no nicks, no cuts. The Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. 
Crop preserver and crop, crop preserver and crop reviver, ball deodorant and toner. That's also part of the the performance package 4.0, fellas. You'll never look better. You'll never smell better down there. And ladies, you'll never be happier. Finish off your grooming routine with the Plow 2.0. This is a razor for your face because let's be honest, there is nothing more disgusting than using a razor on your face that you've been using in other parts of your body. And I will say this on one very serious note. Remember. April is also Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to men's health and early cancer detection. Very serious topic. Manscaped takes it very seriously, and Manscaped wants you to know uh, they are doing everything they can to work with the Testicular Cancer Society uh, to eradicate testicular cancer. So, fellas, remember... If you want to look fresh downstairs, if you want to smell fresh downstairs, if you want to be fresh downstairs, manscaped.com. Use promo code Torres. Fellas, ladies, manscaped.com, promo code Torres. Your balls will thank you. I will thank you. Now let's get back to the show. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Thank you again. To our partners, Manscaped, manscaped.com. Use promo code TORUS, 20% off plus free shipping. Really do appreciate Manscaped uh, just being an awesome, awesome partner for us. Uh, we really enjoy working with them. With that said, do want to switch gears off of, uh, you know, Manscaped-related things, products, uh, things that you're doing with Manscaped, whatever. And let's stick with college basketball because, look, you know, I, I opened the show. It, it, it's a crazy time of year. There isn't always going to be a lead topic. But the lead topic, the theme of April in college basketball is pretty straightforward. It is roster turnover season, okay? It is just a crazy month where all sorts of crazy things happen and in a large way really defines what your next year is going to look like, okay? Um, what happens in late March, early April into May determines who are the teams that ultimately next year can cut down the nets in March or April. And so this is a fun month to follow. This is a fun month to cover. And it's really funny, right? Because you have players coming and going from all different places. You have the transfer portal, which is just crazy. We're going to talk about it in a minute, all the difference makers that are in the transfer portal. From there, you also have high school players that are reclassifying, high school players that are decommitting, high school players whose coach that they committed to got fired and they're now available. So you have high school players available as well. But for all the talk about the transfer portal, which is really fun. I love to, I, nobody talks more portal than I do. But for all the talk about the portal, all the talk about the high school kids, at the end of the day, you know what the single most important thing that happens in the month of April is? It's players that decide to come back to college without testing the draft waters or, as importantly, test the draft waters and ultimately come back later in the spring. For all the talk about the freshmen, for all the talk about the transfers, look at the teams who made a deep, deep, deep tournament run this year. Kansas won a national championship because Ochai Abaji decided at this time last year to come back to college. North Carolina made a national championship game because Armando Baycott tested the draft waters and decided to come back. Caleb Love thought about transferring, decided to come back. Villanova, Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels decided to use their extra year of eligibility. So as much as I love the transfer portal, it's these decisions as, as far as, you know, really good college basketball players that are thinking about the NBA that decide to come back to college. Those are the decisions that ultimately end up changing the landscape of the following season. And so why am I bringing this all up? What is this all leading to? Oh, it's leading to, I don't know this. It's that over the next couple weeks, we're going to get decisions from all the major players. But for the first time, after weeks of speculation, 
I truly believe there's a possibility that Oscar Shibwe, the National Player of the Year in college basketball, could return to college basketball. There were some reports that came out this week. There's some speculation. There's some innuendo. So let's talk about it. But what I will tell you is there is no transfer. There is no high school player that will make a bigger impact in college basketball next year than Oscar Shibwe if he comes back. And it's interesting, right? Because for the non-Kentucky fans, I'm sure a lot of people are asking, why would that kid come back? For people who don't know, I mean, I mean, you know, but swept every National Player of the Year award. Literally had statistically one of the greatest seasons in the history of college basketball and put up rebounding numbers, the likes of which we basically haven't seen in college basketball in close to, I don't know, 35, 40, 45 years, whatever it is. Finished the season, 17 and a half points, 15 rebounds per game. And so the question would become, why would he come back to college basketball? There's two reasons, really. One, as great of a college basketball player as Oscar Shibwe is, his game doesn't really translate to the NBA. And if you look at NBA mock drafts, virtually all of them have him going in the second round. Um, you know, the bottom line is we all love Oscar, but at the end of the day, we're talking about a guy that's six foot eight, six foot nine. Um, and in the NBA, in this day and age, if you're six foot eight, six foot nine, you got to be able to step out and hit threes, and you got to be able to defend guys out on the perimeter. And as much as I love Oscar Sheboy, he's just not that guy. Uh, you know, 15, 20, 25 years ago, I think he's a top 15 pick, top 10 pick at the worst. Now, most mock drafts have him in the second round, if not drafted at all. But beyond that, there's another reason beyond the fact that he might be a second round pick that he could come back to college basketball, and it's this. Three letters, N-I-L. For the first time, college basketball players can make real money coming back to college basketball. And so Oscar Shibwe's deal is a little bit different. He's on a student visa. Kentucky's trying to figure out what exactly he's allowed to do and what he's not allowed to do, what he's allowed to endorse, et cetera. But this is going to be a big theme every April going forward. And this is really the first year that it's happened. I talked about it on last, I think, Wednesday or Friday's show. Is the idea that... If you're a really, really good college basketball player that doesn't project great to the NBA, you have some really tough decisions to make. Even two, three, four years ago, there really was no decision. It was come back to college basketball and make nothing or go professional and make something, even if that means G League, even if that means overseas, even if it means going undrafted, whatever. But now in college basketball, you can make real money. And so it's not just Oscar Shibwe. It, it, it It's Hunter Dickinson at Michigan. It's uh, Johnny Juzang at UCLA. It's some of the guys at Arizona that are projected as second-round picks that aren't first-round guarantees. It's Drew Timmy at Gonzaga. Drew Timmy at Gonzaga is going to make real money. He made real money, my understanding, this year up at Gonzaga. He's going to make real money next year if he decides to come back. And so all of a sudden, you have a situation now where an Oscar Shibwe, again, if the legalities of it all can be figured out, I mean, I don't want to put a number on it, but seven figures doesn't feel ridiculous, right? Seven figures for the most recognizable player in college basketball playing for one of the one to two biggest brands in college basketball. We know how well Kentucky is supported. I think it makes sense that he would potentially come back as long as he can earn that NIL money. But it's one thing for me to think it. It's another thing for us to get confirmation. What I will say is this. I had been hearing rumblings for quite some time that this is a real possibility. But I will tell you, there was one report that came out this week that made me believe that this is going to happen, that Oscar Shibway is going to return to Kentucky, and it came from a uh, college basketball recruiting reporter named Andrew Slater. And for people who don't know Andrew Slater, uh, he's a friend of mine. To be clear, I have not talked to him about this specific subject, 
Uh, but Andrew Slater is about as plugged in in college basketball as anybody. Now, he does have a big social media presence. He's not online like, you know, myself or Jeff Goodman or whomever. But Andrew Slater, when he says stuff, it usually ends up becoming true. And so a Kentucky fan about, I think it was Monday afternoon, sent him a tweet saying, you know, what's going on? I need some good news. This is a disaster, especially in light of the fact that Shaden Sharp, the five-star point guard who redshirted this year, almost certainly is not going to play Kentucky this year. And so Andrew Slater put out a tweet. Andrew Slater responded to that tweet by saying this. He's asked about, give me some good news about Kentucky. And this is what Andrew Slater, the recruiting writer, said. He said, there will be a song and dance but you should expect the defending national player of the year to return to the Commonwealth. He's more impactful than any incoming recruit. Let me just say this. I'm not a Kentucky fan. I don't root for Kentucky, but I do root for good stories. I do root for big, interesting things to happen in the sports that I love. This to me feels like Oscar Sheepway is coming back to the University of Kentucky, and I cannot tell you how good this would be for everybody involved. First of all, with Kentucky, like, listen, we got a lot of Kentucky fans that listen to this show. I know everybody is down on the program right now and frustrated with John Calipari. I can't really argue with a lot of it. And while I, I think Calipari probably gets too much flack in a lot of things, you look at that roster for next year. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying they're not going to be ranked in the top 25. What I am saying, though, is it's hard to see the scenario where it is going to be a national championship roster without Oscar Sheepway, this under the assumption that Shaden Sharp, the player I just mentioned, uh, number one recruit in the class of 2022, reclassified, sat out this season, does not play. Right now, he is in the NBA draft. And so I bring it up because you look at that roster. I mean, there's some nice pieces. Severe Wheeler, the point guard, seems as though he is going to be back. Um, you know, uh, there's two McDonald's All-Americans coming in. I think there'll be more role players, complimentary pieces than they would be uh, anything else. Uh, you have C.J. Frederick, a former Iowa player who redshirted this year because of injury. You got probably Jacob Toppin, probably maybe Keon Brooks. You got really nice pieces. But without Oscar Shibway and without Shaden Sharp and without any major you know, player in the portal, I mean, we're talking about you know, probably somewhere in the top 12 to 20. But we're not talking about a national championship team. But if they get Oscar Sheba back, that is a complete game changer. You add 18 points and 15 rebounds to every single game that Kentucky plays. You add the fact that Oscar Sheba impacts the game in so many ways just by the number of rebounds that he gets, the number of second opportunities that your team gets. I'm sorry, but all of a sudden, that Kentucky roster goes from probably outside the top 10 to not only inside the top 10, but a team that is good enough to win the national championship, which going into next season, sorry, John Calipari, you got to have a team that's good enough to win the national championship. Beyond that, that's the other part about this as well, is you can't look past the impact that it has on John Calipari as well, right? Because, you know, I said it after the St. Peter's game, and I stand by it. I don't really know that there's anything that Calipari can do between now and the next NCAA tournament in 2022-2023 to change the way the fan base feels about him? They're frustrated. I get it. A lot of you are Kentucky fans. I understand. I'm not saying John Calipari is going to be fired. I'm not saying he should be fired. I don't think he should be at all. He won't be because of his contract. But at the same time, I bring it up to say there's not very much that John Calipari can do to rally the fan base this summer. They've seen every five-star come in. They've seen every McDonald's All-American. They've seen the big-time transfers. They're not going to be fooled. 
But the one thing that you can really do to get people excited about Kentucky basketball again going into next offseason, going into next season, excuse me, you got to get Oscar Sheboy back. And so you talk about it being important for John Calipari. Again, I'm not saying he's going to be fired. But you have to have a team that's good enough to win a national championship going into next year. You have to have success in the tournament. And I'm just telling you, they don't look like a team that is that without Oscar Sheboy. And then finally, let me just lastly say, I think it'd be great for college basketball. I mean, listen, we all know the benefits, the drawbacks, the pluses, the minuses of college basketball. I get it. Um, But at the same time, I understand the, the, the average fan that sits there and says, you know, I just don't know these players. Like, I, I can't watch this sport because the players change every single year. And that's something that, for the most part, I don't think there's any way to change. I mean, when players can become millionaires after one year, uh, it, it, you know, as a professional, it's going to be hard to retain those players. But at the same time, with NIL, if you can get this guy back, heck, if you could get a couple other guys back, Johnny Juzang, Hunter Dickinson, Drew T- I mean, that's great for the sport of college basketball. And so you can get Oscar Sheboy back now. That's huge for the sport of college basketball. We're now all of a sudden, again, to go back to the last segment, either like Kentucky or you hate him, but you're going to watch him. But now you're going to watch him with a recognizable player that you either love or hate. And I don't know how anybody can hate Oscar Sheboy because he's the nicest person on the planet, but you either love or hate. Because that guy gets every single board. He eats up boards like Hungry Hunger Hippos. It's unbelievable. And so I love Oscar Sheba. He's been one of my favorite players to cover in a very long time. Great kid, humble kid, happy kid. I cannot wait to see what happens here. Uh, ultimately, I'm not going to get my hopes up too high. Listen, it, it, you know, Kentucky, we're still going to watch every game next year, whether Oscar Sheboy is there. You know, same the way we're going to watch Gonzaga without Drew Timmy or, or Johnny Juzang, UCLA, whatever. But at the same time, it would be so good for college basketball, and it would be so good for Kentucky if we get Oscar Sheepway back next year. We'll keep an eye on this one. But I'm telling you, when Andrew Slater says something's going to happen, it generally does. All right, this one I want to do. I want to take a quick break, final segment of the show, come back. We'll rip through some of the big uh, – you know, this is what I want to do with the transfer portal stuff. Rather than going through the big news and notes like we've done the last few weeks, this is what I want to do. I want to go through and just give you the best players in the portal and what the recruiting buzz is on them. It's early. There's a lot to be decided. Some of, for some of these kids, it's not early, and they're, gonna, they're probably going to go off the board here in the next couple days. But I do want to talk transfer portal. I want to rip through the best players in the portal, what you need to know. I will be right back. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. Good to be back. Do want to wrap uh, with a little transfer portal stuff. And, and I've told you over the last few weeks, we're going to talk a lot of portal April into May. Um, and what I would say is this, is the last couple weeks, we've done a couple transfer portal news and notes segments that I think have been really good. And you guys seem to enjoy it. The downloads reflect that. The YouTube views reflect that. And so I want to keep doing the transfer portal news and notes. And I think I'm going to bring that back on Friday. But today I do want to do something a little bit different. Today, what I think we'll do instead is I want to rank all of the best players in the transfer portal right now, and the reason being because when these guys do commit, when they take visits, I need to, you know, I think it's good that you guys and girls have some context as to who these guys are, what they do well, what they don't do well, and what impact they're going to have when they commit or when they're visiting your school or whatever. So what we're going to do, we're going to rip through the best players in the transfer portal right now with two quick caveats before we start. One... I don't know that the top of the transfer portal is as good as it was last year. 
Last year, we had some real, true difference makers in the portal. Walker Kessler won National Defensive Player of the Year. He obviously transferred from North Carolina to Auburn. Um, you know, Kellen Grady was really good. Uh, you know, James Akinjo went from All-Pac-12 at, at Arizona to All-Big 12 at Baylor. And so I don't know that the top of the portal is quite as good. Oscar Shibway, obviously, if you include him as a transfer last offseason, uh, changed college basketball, National Player of the Year. He technically, you know, he committed in, in January, which is why I don't necessarily include him. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make, I don't know that the top is as good. I don't know that there's as many transformational, program-changing type players. And then the second caveat I would say really quick is this. This stuff is always subject to change, okay? And so I'm recording here on Wednesday morning. Don't want to hear from you. If you listen on Friday, a Taurus, that guy already committed, okay? That guy committed. Uh, I, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're talking about. No. Here's the deal. Here's the bottom line. As I'm recording, all of these guys are in the portal. I'm going to give you my rankings. If you don't listen to it till 24, 36, 72 hours after this episode comes out, that is on you. With that said, though, let's get into my ranking of the 25 best players in the portal right now, and we'll rip through these really quick. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on any of these guys. I just want to get you a baseline for who the best players are. Number one, Terrence Shannon Jr., TJ Shannon from Texas Tech, okay? Big forward, about 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, I really, really like him, but I do think he's a metaphor for what I just said. I don't know that he's going to come in and change your program, but I do think that he can come in and be a really, really good player, a starter, a second or third best player on a team that's good enough to win a national championship or make a Final Four. Again, six foot six, super athletic, Two years ago, averaged 13 points per game, 2020-2021 at Texas Tech. That was Chris Beard's final season. And he entered the NBA draft, and it was really interesting because there were, he almost stayed in the draft, and he was almost a guy that, that was getting first-round potential buzz last year. Was probably a second-rounder, decided to come back, wanted to be a first-rounder, and unfortunately, it just did not work out at Texas Tech. Uh, injuries, he dealt with injuries all year. His numbers went down. They were a little bit deeper. They played a few more guys. And so after the season, he decides to enter the portal. But at the same time, I do believe he is the closest thing to a difference maker that you have. An NBA-caliber player who's averaged 13 points per game at the Power 6 level, shot 38% from three this year. He is a really, really good player. He's just got to get healthy and get right. In terms of his recruitment, uh, he's from Chicago originally. There's some Illinois buzz. There's some Kentucky buzz. Kentucky, obviously, with Chin Coleman on the staff, has deep ties to Chicago. Uh, but really, everybody's recruiting him, and it just comes down to he's going to be able to pick where he wants to go. To me, he is the best player in the transfer portal. Number two, Janae Broom, the center from Moorhead State. And if you have not watched this kid, Pull up some video or some clips on YouTube. This kid is just a total difference maker. Six foot ten, six foot eleven. Here are the stats: seventeen points, ten and a half rebounds, three and a half blocks per game at Moorhead State. And oh, by the way, in the conference championship game, biggest game of the season, goes for thirty-two against Murray. Six foot ten, super athletic. You know, I believe he can play anywhere in college basketball. And the, the interesting thing about him is, I think there was some speculation that he was going to transfer after last offseason. Decides to come back to Moorhead State. Now he's so high profile. He's leaving money on the table NIL-wise, probably staying at Moorhead State. He decides to enter the portal. I think he's the best big man by far that's really available in the portal. Uh, in terms of his recruitment, I mean, everybody's reached out to him. As of right now, as I record, he is taking a visit to Auburn later this week. That is the only visit that I know of that is officially on the books for him. But, I mean, you talk about just a difference maker in the portal. Janae Broom, 6'10", for Moorhead State, is ranked number two. 
Number three, Nigel Pack, from a guard from Kansas State. I think he's probably the most established player in the portal right now. Averaged 17 points per game at Kansas State this year. And here's the bottom line. You can criticize Kansas State, whatever. They weren't very good. If you could average 17 a game, in the Big 12, the best defensive league, I believe, in college basketball with, you know, West Virginia and Kansas and, and, and Texas Tech and Texas. I mean, all these teams play lead defense. This dude averaged 17 a game when everybody knew that he was going to shoot. Oh, by the way, shot 43% from three-point land. Uh, my only concern with him, really, he's not very big. He's about five foot 11, six feet, and has to have the ball in his hands. And I don't know how good he would be in a situation where the ball is not in his hands. So that is something worth monitoring in terms of these schools that are recruiting him, is trying to figure out how does he fit with the guys that are already on the roster. Now, in terms of that, in terms of where he could end up, what I'll tell you is he's originally from Indianapolis. You know, I remember talking to Bruce Weber about him years ago, called him like a true Indianapolis point guard, just smart, heady, knows how to do whatever. He's from Indianapolis. He's already visited Purdue, also planning on visiting Ohio State and Tennessee. My gut tells me he'll end up at Purdue. But this is a guy can create for others, can create for himself. Uh, not great if he doesn't have the ball in his hands. And, and you know, I, I say he can create for others, but he really doesn't. He's really a small scoring guard. That's a little bit about why I'm concerned with him because I don't know that he gets a ton of other people involved, but really talented scorer, really good player, Nigel Pack from Kansas State in number three. Number four, K.J. Williams, center from Murray State. This dude's a beast, man. I mean, you know, this guy, as soon as he entered the portal, I said he could play anywhere in college basketball. Obviously, uh, Matt McMahon goes to LSU. He decides to enter the transfer portal, and he is one of the most coveted players available. Ohio Valley Player of the Year, averaged 18 and 10 per game. The thing worth noting with K.J. Williams, though, uh, he has entered his name in the NBA draft. Uh, you know, I touched base with him, I believe, you know, right afterward and touched base with some people that, that worked with him at Murray State. They said he's two feet in with the NBA draft. Uh, he wants to be a pro. He's ready to go to the next level. Um, you know, and, and I don't think he really wants to come back to college basketball. Uh, but if he does, he will be very coveted. I think right now he's not even really taking very many calls in terms of other schools. My gut would tell me uh, Matt McMahon, Murray State, has already had uh, two of his former players transfer to LSU. If K.J. Williams comes back, my hunch would be that he goes to LSU. But right now, that is very much up in the air. K.J. Williams at number four on this list. Number five, Kendrick Davis, SMU. Small guard, a lot like Nigel Pack. Really, really, really good. 19 points per game this season. 30 points in the, the final game that he played at SMU in the NIT Really talented player, 37% from three. So it's just a really, really good guard. My only concerns for him, I just said it with Nigel Pack. Um, you know, he's a little bit small. He's a little bit small. Now, he started his career at TCU, so it's not as though he can't play at the high major level. But he's a small guard, and he has to have the ball in his hands. Now, to his credit, he's a little bit more of a playmaker for others than Nigel Pack is. Average four and a half assists per game. And I think you can make the case. Look, I think there's an argument to be made that he could have as much, if not more, of an impact than anybody in the transfer portal right now next year on college basketball. The problem is, again, it has to be the right spot. He has to go to a school where he has the ball in his hands, where he can make plays for others, and he can make plays for himself. Kendrick Davis, 19.5 points per game in the portal. He is my number five ranked player. In terms of his recruitment, I would say, you know, it's a little early to speculate. It seems that he just entered the portal Monday night. I don't know that he's anything close to cutting down a list. Guy that has absolutely cut down the list. I'll tell you this. There's not a more controversial player on my ranking 
than Xavier Pinson, number six from LSU. I've seen, you know, some other people really criticize Xavier Pinson. Look, I watched a lot of LSU this year. When he was healthy, they were a top 10 team in the country. Then he goes down, then the team falls apart, okay? So Xavier Pinson, he averaged nine and a half points per game, five rebounds, five assists. He can get to the bucket anytime he wants. I think he is a great college basketball point guard. Oh, by the way, two years ago at Missouri, averaged 13 a game. A lot of people don't like his game, though, and I'm not totally sure why, mostly being that he's not a great three-point shooter. That's where a lot of the criticism has come in. Either way, I think he's a great college point guard. Uh, Two quick things with him. One, he is down to two schools, Mississippi State and Xavier, and he should commit soon. Of all the players on this list, he might be the next one off the board. By the time you listen, he might have chosen his final school. With that noted, though, it is worth noting – he, this is his second transfer. Uh, I don't believe that he's a graduate transfer. And if he's not, you know what that means. He's going to have to get a waiver or he is not eligible next year. With the Will Wade situation, I can't see the scenario where Xavier Pinson isn't eligible, but that is worth keeping an eye on. Number seven, how about Kenneth Lofton Jr. from Louisiana Tech? And what I would say about him, first of all, for those who don't know, no, he is not related to the former baseball player, at least not that I know of. I did an extensive Google search and talked to some people that know him, and he is not related to that baseball player, Kenny Lofton. But big forward, some might call him burly. Some might t- say he needs to probably trim down a little bit. I'm trying to be diplomatic, but just watch video if you haven't seen him. But it doesn't seem to affect him on the court. 16.5 points per game, 10.5 rebounds per game, a staggering 17 double-doubles this season, including 36 points, 17 rebounds against NC State. So when I look at Kenneth Lofton Jr., big guy, physical down low, a little bit undersized, but this is a dude that just piles up stats and rebounds, almost like an Oscar Shibway. Not comparing him to Oscar Shibway. Not saying he's going to be Oscar Shibway. But when you talk about a guy, size doesn't matter. Well, take that as how you want. But, you know, being six foot eight for him doesn't matter. This is a guy that is still getting stats in a big way at the college level. Kenneth Lofton, number seven on my list in terms of his schools. He's heard from everybody. Houston, Texas, Auburn, Kentucky, among others. I would expect him to end up at like a Houston or a Texas that's kind of more of a a low post banging team, but we'll see with Kenneth Lofton. Number eight, Another controversial player, Andre Corbello, Illinois. We all know the deal. As a freshman, he was phenomenal playing as a backup to Io DeSumo. Really, really, really talented player there. Uh, But then this year, they put the ball in his hands, and he really struggled. His minutes went up, but his... Uh, you know, his his points went down, his assists went down, his turnovers went up. He really struggled. Now, he did deal with a concussion, um, but, you know, he's kind of one of those players. He's got to find the right fit where he's allowed to do what he does, which is be an open floor point guard. But at the same time, he also has to find a fit where he doesn't just play completely out of control. Uh, so we'll see what happens with him. He's originally from New York. My guess would be, you know, St. John seems to be in the mix. Gonzaga seems to be in the mix. Obviously, one is an extreme, you know, different than the other one. I kind of hope he ends up at St. John's. I'm not trying to, you know, push a player anywhere. But, you know, you talk about a guy that could really, you know, put a jolt into that program, get people in the garden. He's from New York. I think he would have a ton of support there. Andre Curbelo at number eight. Number nine, Jalen Bridges from West Virginia, big 6'7 wing, was a really highly touted player coming out of high school. And I'll be honest, I never really understood the fit at West Virginia. Well, he is in the portal after two years, eight and a half points per game, shot over 40% from the field, you know, for 40% from three, really talented wing. Um, With his recruitment, I'll say it's getting to the home stretch here. He entered the portal right after the regular season. So, I mean, he's been in there for about a month now. 
He has visits planned to Michigan State, Alabama, Baylor. I believe he may have already taken at least one of those. So the point being, he is going to make his decision soon. Jalen Bridges at number nine. Number 10, another guy who might be coming off the board by the time you listen to this, Tristan Newton, a guard from East Carolina. Okay, East Carolina, the AAC. Tristan Newton, really talented player, six foot five, hyper athletic, averaged 18 points, five rebounds, five assists per game. Uh, not a great three point shooter, 33%, but he is so big and so athletic. I think he can step into the high major level and play right away. In terms of his recruitment, Visited UConn this past weekend, and it seems as though the entire UConn fan base is on commitment watch. So I'm not saying he's not, uh, you know, considering other schools. I'm just saying that to me, it seems as though uh, Tristan Newton will be committing very soon. And it seems as though the UConn fan base, and and I believe the coaching staff too, believes that they're in very good shape with him. Number 11, Courtney Ramey. So Courtney Ramey, fun fact on Courtney Ramey. Uh, How about this? He is the final high school player that had ever committed to Rick Pitino at Louisville before Rick Pitino was fired. Why do I bring it up? Shows that, one, it's a fun fact, but two, shows that he has been in college basketball for a very long time. And to me, that is very important from this context, okay? Very important because of the fact that he is just a veteran, tough, experienced guard that you would love to bring into your program. Two years ago, in the final year under Shaka Smart, averaged 12.5 points per game, 41% three-point shooting, three assists per game. So it kind of shows you he can play on the ball, he can play off the ball, he shoots really well. This year, the numbers dipped under Chris Beard. They bring in a ton of new players. I get it. It's part of the deal. It happens. Um, But he's now in the portal, and I think he is just going to, you know, just tear things up. Really, really, really excited to see him where he ends up. Uh, Kentucky's reached out, UConn, Gonzaga, he can fit in anywhere, he can have some success anywhere. Number 12, this one's a really tough one, Adam Miller, the guard from LSU. For people who don't remember, Adam Miller, former top 30 recruit, played his freshman year at Illinois, decides to transfer, ends up at LSU, and then gets hurt this past season, and so it's hard to know exactly what you're going to get from him, but this was a guy that averaged nine points per game, 34% three-point shooting as a freshman, and a top 30 recruit that people believed had NBA talent. So because he is uh, coming off major knee injury, decided to keep him pretty far down the list. But with that said, I do have him at number 12. In terms of his recruitment right now, it's pretty quiet because of the simple fact that I just don't think... um, you know, he keeps his recruitment close to the vest, right? Last year when he entered the portal, he commits to LSU. Nobody really knew it was going to happen until the final few days. Similar deal here. I'll be curious to see where he ends up. Lefty guard, really good. Uh, I'm going to rip through the next couple ones. Uh, Fardaz Amik, he is from the center from Utah Valley. Got a lot of buzz early. He was really the first prominent player to enter the portal. Uh, but he was the WAC, tw- the WAC player of the year. I almost called him the WAC 12, like the Pac-12. The WAC player of the year, and where he was notable, second leading rebounder nationally behind only Oscar Shibwe. So he has been in the portal. He's been in the portal for a while. He's heard from everybody. Uh, as, as of right now, he has plans to visit Houston, Texas Tech, and Washington. I think those are really good fits for him. I'm just going to rip through the next couple and, and not spend a ton of time on them. Manny Bates, NC State, center, Really good. If you need a rim protector, he is your guy. Averaged over three blocks per game two years ago. How about this? This past season played one minute, gets hurt, misses the rest of the season. You feel bad. But three and a half blocks per game, his his most recent season that he played in 2020, 2021. Really good player. Has heard from basically everybody in college basketball. Number 15, Landers Nolly. 
Averaged 15 points per game back in 2019 at Virginia Tech. Decides to transfer, 2020, excuse me, plays the last two seasons at Memphis. Is an important piece for Memphis, uh, but... Uh, decides to enter the portal after this offseason. No real buzz about his recruitment. Ironically enough, he played for Buzz Williams. He was recruited for Buzz Williams uh, at Virginia Tech. He visited Texas A&M. There's a belief that Texas A&M is a leader. Number 16, Emmanuel Acott, played at Boise this year, began his career at Arizona. Really like him. 10 points, three rebounds, three assists per game. Handled the ball, plays really good defense. The thing with him he is a fifth-year senior, and I think he is going to do everything that he can to make it into the NBA. So as of right now, I don't necessarily know that I, I, I'm positive that he is going to, to stay in college basketball. He's testing the draft waters remains to be seen. 17, Brandon Huntley-Hatfield from Tennessee, former top 30 recruit, started some games, didn't play a ton. Big, athletic, tough, physical, not very skilled at this point. He could be really good. It's just a matter of whether he buys in, decides to transfer from Tennessee. 18, Jared Lucas. All-time leading scorer, history of California high school basketball, incredible shooter. Averaged 13.5 points per game this year, 38% three-point shooting at Oregon State. He has been in the portal for a while. He's heard from just about everybody. Efton Reed, big center from LSU at 19. Sean McNeil at 20 from West Virginia. 21, Norchad O'Meer from Arkansas State. Heard some mixed buzz on him. I think he's kind of a high major uh, backup, six-man whatever. Bryce Hopkins, 22 from Kentucky. Frank Kepnon, 23 from Oregon. Mike Jones, 24 from Davidson. 25 was Jalen Llewellyn, by the way, who just committed. All right, with that said, I am going to get out of here because we have ourselves a busy, busy time in college basketball. So with that said, I think it is time for me to get out of here. Before we do, I want to remind you, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Long show, fun show. I will be back on Friday. My guess is we get some pretty big news over these next couple days about stay-go decisions from some of the biggest names in college basketball. I will be back on Friday. Hope everybody has a great week. Party people. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.